You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, I feel all right now. Hey, I feel all right now. Do you feel like I do right now? Do you feel like I do right now? Motivated. Motivated. Sky high. Sky high. Rock steady. Rock steady. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can do it. I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and it's David's pick and I'm David and uh, I get to pick what I, I want to have on as a matter of fact and uh, today we've got a very special guest on with a very special topic as a matter of fact. We have uh, Jim Lindenmeyer and um, did I say it right Jim? You did, you did. And uh, Jim is the director of the Cherokee County Homeless Veterans Program. And uh, Jim and I got to talking yesterday. Uh, my, my good friend, Colonel Rick White, gave me Jim's telephone number and uh, had contacted Jim as well about being on the show. And Jim yesterday told me some just absolute horror stories of the VA that's supposed to have been, uh, how can I say, uh, corrected, if that, maybe that's the right word, or improved upon. But the horror stories Jim was telling uh, doesn't sound like there's been a whole lot of, of improvement. So I also called a, a friend of mine, um, Frankie Holbrook, who has uh, Shine His Light, and it's a, a street ministry. And... Uh, she, I asked her, out of the folks that she ministers to on the street, how many are veterans? And she said, on, that, and it was true here in Atlanta as well, but that nationally about 25% of the homeless people are veterans. And so, Jim, with that being said, let's start, let's start exposing the VA. And from what you told me and what you sent me and what... Other vets have told me, you know, the VA is, for lack of better words, is just one big lying organization. They promise everything and and uh, do nothing, or do half of what they promise. Would that be a fair uh, fair analogy? I, I think that's pretty much a fair analogy. You're looking at a you know a government-run healthcare system, and everybody promised that the veterans, that once they serve, they be taken care of. And in a lot of cases, that's not true. Uh, you go back to, uh, you know, the issues that are dealing with the VA. It's a, it's a very large bureaucracy. It has a very large component that's, that's unionized, and trying to get the unions to do anything uh, is not, not uh, in their best interest. Um, and this is something that I worked for EDS. We did all the work for GM, so we were always running into issues with, with unions that they can't do this and can't do that. But uh, when you start spending, you know, excess of $170 million a year on the, on the uh, you know, the unions, people doing union work that are doctors, nurses that should be doing, you know, taking care of veterans, it's a problem. Uh, also, the, it's, it's not uh, something that, uh, that they have corrective action very well. You've seen the issues with uh, the Phoenix, uh, with the, 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 the pill pushing program, the uh, you've seen that Atlanta is now the worst VA hospital in the U.S. Uh, it has been for a number of years. The director that was there was let was actually not really fired. They because they, they can't fire him because of unions that are there. People just get moved around, and uh, 
it hasn't improved. And uh, it's you know, if you start digging out, they're they're short 100 plus uh, doctors. We have a clinic in North Georgia that can't get uh, that hasn't been open in three years because they don't have the doctors to fund it. And we don't see any any plans to correct this action going forward. They were supposed to be out two years ago. No corrective action to fix this is even on the table. That's so the building is just sitting there. Well, the building is, is overcrowded down there, and you start looking at things like maybe you know the VA needs to start looking at doing things like you know you go to any community out there and you've got uh, vision places like Walmart is a, there's a you know ophthalmology clinic or a, a you know place you get glasses. You got local doctors that can do dentists. So some of the stuff the VA is doing probably needs to be curtailed. And let them focus on what they need to do, which is surgery and other stuff like that, prosthetics and, and the key stuff, versus trying to overcomplicate what they're doing that you can find locally. Um, so it's a it's a big issue, and now with mental health coming out there, we're not seeing the VA, uh, especially in the area we're working with in Georgia. And I, I'm on the state states committee for veterans for the homeless side. One of the biggest thing there is, you know, we don't have mental health clinics that are in a remote site, and nobody's going to drive to downtown Atlanta or some of these other places to get mental health when it doesn't exist. No, so it's, it's mental health is getting more and more of an issue with you know you, know, you start looking at. You mentioned 25% of all the homeless are veterans. Well, 40% of those have got some sort of mental uh, issue, whether it's uh, PTSD or military sexual trauma, MST, or depression, um, and there's, they're not getting, they're not getting the, what they need to help. And uh, I don't know how we're going to get it fixed. This is something we've talked to our congressman about, and uh, we don't see any, any near-term fix in sight, and I'm not sure that they're even looking at it. That's the scary part, not looking at it. You know, and this is something that I have been (laughs) unsuccessfully promoting, but I believe very, very strongly in it. And I have ever since that idiot from uh, California, which are a lot of them, uh, was expressing her feelings towards uh, uh, M16s. And, you know, like she was some kind of, she wouldn't know an M16 if it hit her upside the head. And, uh, you know, I I am a big proponent of, I don't think somebody like Feinstein or Boxer, or Boxer's gone, thank God, or Pelosi or any of the rest of them should vote on a damn military bill about wearing diapers since none of them have ever served. And if you ain't been there, done that, then what the hell do you know about it? And, well, uh, you look at you look at all of the, you know all of a lot of the, the uh, one party's uh, the candidates are saying the Medicare for all. Well, Medicare for all is going to be the government-run healthcare system, which is what the VA is. And if that's where we're going, then God help the country going forward because things you can't do right now with the VA is you can't sue them because the you know one of the big hiring points that they have for doctors is come work for us and you'll, you'll get access to all the federal government's lawyers and we'll avoid all this kind of stuff because we've had uh, we've had um, medical misconduct claims in for years and they just kind of bury them they don't want to they don't want to hear them they just want to ignore them uh, we've got wrongful death we still haven't seen uh, the report on the two veterans that committed suicide on the uh, the property of the VA here in Georgia one in one down by Macon and the one here in Atlanta, and that's been over a year. So, so getting transparency from a government agency is not happening. So, Medicare for all is you know is a fallacy trying to work forward when you've got this kind of uh, problems in existing you know healthcare system that's run by the government. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, and yet the public doesn't know what's going on. And again, I. I 
I take an Israeli approach that everybody should serve the government in some shape, form, or fashion. And, um, you know, I have a real split in my own family. I have one son that's uh, in the Air Force and one son that... uh, rather make money than than uh, serve this country and I think everybody like in Israel should serve their country for some period of time and again that way they would learn the system they would learn you learn a lot particularly in the military and as I get older and look back when I served you know at the time I thought god why are we doing some of this stuff this is crazy but yet today, I realize exactly why we were doing it. And, uh, you know, part was repetition and part was uh, just the fact that uh, the military, for all its good and bad, is a psychological workshop. And they're improving and, and doing different things all the time to uh, improve on it. So, with that being said, again... I look at our representatives that have never been there, never done that. They have no idea. And unfortunately, as you were pointing out again yesterday as well, it's not just the veteran. And I have all the respect in the world for the veterans' wives, that the ones that are left behind, that they suffer just like the, the deployed military person does and the separation the the missing of the birthdays the missing of this and that and our government has made promises that they're not keeping correct no i think you're i think you're right in in the dod because coming from from west point graduating out through the military was a great career great stuff you know we we you know we got all sorts of chance to travel and do things and learn careers and go forward it's when you finish that career and you migrate into the private world that everything just seems to drop through the system, uh, and that's where the problem's got to be. Is and you're talking now of, of the you know using the DOD files, uh, the military side over to the VA. Well, the system the VA has been running for years is antiquated. It's outdated. Uh, the systems aren't there that the track these guys coming forward. And the problem with the military coming from a combat arms environment I did is, you know, we were always, you know, I worked for Colin Powell when he was a one-star, and then and Marty Dempsey was in the same unit I was when he was before he became, years later, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. But, you know, we out there were looking for the best guys we could, and if someone got injured, we were, you know, we would replace him. We never had a thought of what happened to that guy that was replaced and where he went. Uh, we saw some horrific things um, you know, my time there in the service where guys got injured and we never worried about where they went. And now coming where I'm at in this position, I'm seeing what happens when those guys exit the service, are looking for medical help, need need uh, mental health help, uh, have, you know, are, are drug addicted because the government's not working there or have been homeless for 31 years in the case of one Marine female we worked with because the VA didn't want did, to deny her benefits even though they were treating her. The system's broke. There's got to be some way of saying we run it. They need to answer to us, not answer to some union side that's going out there. Uh, and that's what's got to get done. I mean, it's it's the, uh, you know, I'll give you a good example here of an interesting comment I had when I was talking one of the major press announcements here in Atlanta is they're tired of doing articles on the VA because nothing ever gets done and nothing ever changes. So, you know, the things we bring up to them kind of go to the back burner because, it's never going to change. Why would we report it? Uh, nothing's ever going to get done. 
And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we had a congressman or a senator down here that retired. And, and for the last couple of years, he's been retired in active duty. He hasn't done it. He didn't do anything. And he was in a position to make things change and get his major hospital down the street from where he was running the, his Senate office is the worst thing in the U.S. And he never said anything about it. So those are things that, you know, are the, are the congressmen and the representatives we have actually going to stand up for us or are they not? Hmm. Uh, and that's where we got to somehow, somehow we've got to change that. Um, and we've got to look at, you know, what these guys need out there. Because, you know, these guys are broken. A lot of these guys coming out of service are broken because things happen to them. They saw things they shouldn't see. Um, and, you know, somebody's got to step up and say, here it is. And right now it's, you know, it's programs like ours in the communities that are doing it because the VA is not doing it. Okay, you've got your wish list in front of you. Who do you wish knew what we were talking about? I couldn't quite hear that. Who was it? Who, who wish? Who? You've got your wish list there. If yep. you had your wish, who would you? Would it be uh, Trump, or would it be somebody else? That. Uh, well, I think I think. Trump's trying to do the, the right thing. He's putting a focus on it. Um, and you're getting in there with, you know, you've got the problem is we've had a revolving uh, door right now with the secretary of the VA. They need to come down and sit down in the local areas. I'll give you a good example. The uh, the IG for the VA, once the story broke down here of all the issues with a veteran who was bitten by ants and, and passed away and, and it caused a flurry down here, the d- director of the IG, Stone, turned around and said, we didn't know how bad it was. And I'm going, how can you not know it's that bad when you got 752,000 veterans in Georgia that can tell you what's going on? But if you don't come up and meet with us and don't ask, then you're never going to know. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, you know, everything seems to be plausible deniability that we don't ask what's going on out there. We don't find out what's going on. Uh, you had uh, Leslie Wiggins, who was the director down here of Business 7. She had 282 complaints against her, uh, and the VA didn't even know that. Um, she had, you know, mismanagement. She was hiding things. It was just, you know, absolutely things in the corporate world. You expect to say this person needs to get fired tomorrow or leave, and yet she's going to retire with full benefits. Uh, I don't understand how that happens. <laughs> so we've got to have, you know, we have to have, we have to have a, a group that's going to go up there and checks and balances, and and you know, I would expect some of them to be the American Legion, the VFWs, Marine Corps League, but. Yeah, the young guys don't want to join those organizations because they think there are a bunch of old guys sitting around bars smoking cigars telling war stories. <laughs> so we've kind of lost that World War II view of you know of what veterans are, and it's now you know the young guys don't want to say anything. They want to you know they're they're tough to deal with, and in our program, it, you know, millennials are one of the toughest things to get across that we can help them. Um, for for some reason, they don't want to ask for help. Hmm. No, it's interesting. You know, what what. Is truly the answer in your opinion? Is it one guy taking the bull by the horns, or multiple p- people taking the you and a thousand well, others? I, I, think, I think one of the things is transparency. When I was running, you know, I was a, a Fortune 100 corporate account executive for uh, an outsourcing company, and when you have what are called dashboards, and dashboards are things that we would sit there and brief the CEO and CFO on and COO on as to how we're operating, how things are going, you know, are they, you know, helping business, driving business. But the VA doesn't want to do that. They don't want to tell you, you know, here are the issues we have with each department. We don't have, you know, there should be somewhere they're going out and saying, 
here's our red, yellow, green. That's what the dashboard would predict as to how we're doing. And all of a sudden, the dental clinic in Atlanta's had problems. So it's red. Why? Let's drill down and find out why it's there. Well, you know, we need to find out what those issues are. But they're they're reluctant to tell you. Um, we filed multiple FOIA requests for things like you know changes they made to a, a medical procedure in, a, in the surgery on a vet we had that was you know his back was ignored and went abscessed after a VA surgery, and we can't get access to find out what they did to change it. And it's one of those denied, denied. So the FOIA request, the transparency, it's right now talking to a black hole when you talk to the federal government, the VA, uh, because they don't want to give you information that may embarrass them. <laughs> Not only and that, but we... No wants to be held accountable. They yeah. To, you know, the Accountability Act that was passed and all the, all the senators and congressmen will sit there and say, yeah, I signed it. Well, what are they doing? How many people have been fired? Exactly. moved around? And well, that's interesting to see on that one as well. You know, in many cases, they're in cush jobs that the, the good old government check comes in twice a month, and if they were found out, they would lose that cush job. And, well, exactly. Uh, if if it was in the... Fired. I mean, if they're, if they're incapable or not capable of doing their job, or, you know, you think of us in the military going through, and I, I you know, this, the crazy things people get relieved of command for. Uh, yeah. You know, I had a, when I was a motor officer, I had a, a captain that was uh, in charge of H group, you know, we had a tank burned down, and, uh, you know, it happens. Um, we also had another tank in that unit that, when we were doing desert operations, would have issues with its air induction system. Well, after, you know, the third tank engine we went through in three days, the colonel told him to go down and, and to- personally told the captain to find out what was wrong with it. And uh, if it didn't didn't find it and happen, he was going to be relieved of command. Well, it happened again, $85,000 for the engine, 55000 for the transmission. His career ended right then and there because he failed to do to find a problem he was in command he was you know the guy on the line and that's the kind of things that we expect you know as officers enlisted there's that term conduct unbecoming that's the catchphrase but nobody else seems to be held to that accountable you just you know military guys your room your career can ruin get ruined in a matter of 10 minutes and yet these guys in congress and other elsewhere in the unions uh, you can't touch them just amazing okay i'm I'm going to ask a, a very strange question of our listeners, and this show will be listened to not only today as we're live, but also it will be archived and listened to many times down the road. And that's for everybody that has a LinkedIn, a Instagram, I don't care what program you've got, but put on it that Mr. Congressman, Ms. Congressman, the VA is broken. Let's get it fixed. This is crazy. And I'm going to, you know, petition the uh, president. I'm going to uh, certainly go after our congressman, which happens to be the same probably. But, you know, I'll, I'm going after any and everybody I can get to fix the VA. You know, the government, we all raised our hands. And the government promised us things, and the vets that served in-country, they deserve to get what they should. And, and you know, the, uh, the blue water bill that, uh, Trump, that Trump signed the other day on December the 10th, that was the stupidest thing going. Why they had to have a special bill to give... Naval personnel, 
the rights to claim Agent Orange as a problem is just ridiculous. That yeah, they wouldn't give the VA wouldn't give naval personnel uh, VA services that claimed Agent Orange because they didn't have boots on the ground in Vietnam. What the hell were they doing there to begin with? Well, it gets even it gets even worse. I've got a guy here in, in uh, that we were working with before who was EOD for the National Guard when we went to Desert Storm. The uh, the whole thing was to draw all this equipment, uh, munitions that were out, that were sitting in in Guam uh, that was from Vietnam era. Mm-hmm. Everything was laced with Agent Orange, uh, those canisters, and these guys are not allowed to claim it because they weren't on boots on the ground in Cal- in, in in Vietnam. So, <laughs> and these guys had no protective gear uh, to do this stuff, um, and they worked months and months trying to get all these rounds prepackaged, tested, send them back out. And, you know, he's been, this guy's been denied claims forever because, you know, there was no Agent Orange ever found in, in Guam. If you look at Monsanto right now with the suit that's going on out there for a roundup, this is the same thing that Agent Orange was, you know, but you now, sure. because you've got a corporation on the line, you know, all the lawyers are coming out suing him, and we have guys in Vietnam still haven't been paid for Agent Orange. <laughs> and the other thing is, don't, don't not just the VA, but remember, I, I sent you the thing about the Social Security Administration as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, th- if you look at, you know, if you don't join the military to make money. So if you're 100% service-connected disabled, which is, you know, the max you can be, then the conditions on the VA is you cannot work a second job. You cannot work any job to get additional money. And it maxes out at about $3,000 a month. So... If you're 28, in the case of the guy I have here, he's, he can't make more than 28,000 for the, or, you know, 36,000 for the rest of his life. And with inflation and everything else, he can't do it. So there's a program out there called Social Security Disability Income that uh, run by the Social Security Administration, but it takes over two years to get someone into that program and get them certified. <clears throat> and we had a federal judge tell us in one of the cases, early cases, that they don't trust the VA doctors. So they want to do everything on their own. So here's one government agency arguing against another government agency. And if the VA's already gone through the process of putting them 100%, why can't those guys be fast-tracked through the, the Social Security Administration? Because they need the money. We've had people lose their homes that, that are married because they don't have enough money to, to live on. And the only way you can get uh, additional funds other than your VA pension is to be uh, in the Social Security uh, disability. So it's not just the VA. It's only some of the other agencies that are out there as well that, that, that uh, cater to, you know, now, those are ones you have to go to Congress because it's not the VA, and the VA doesn't worry about Social Security, and Social Security doesn't care about the VA. That's got to be handled as, as well. You know, and you're talking a million and a half, two million uh, service veterans that are in that case. So uh, it's it's a hot potato, and they keep tossing it from one place to another and saying, "You take care of it." Exactly. Is there- if you look at the government, <clears throat> if you look at it, the role of veterans, less than two percent of the, of the population has ever served. So everybody's worried about the other 98% versus the 2% that went out there and put their lives on the line uh, to protect the country and defend the freedom. That's, That's why I say everybody have. should serve. Yeah, exactly. Everybody should serve some or the other. Exactly. Is, okay, on the, on the nice side of the coin, if there is one, is there anyone that you can name that's on our side, on your side, on the vet side? Yeah, I mean, I'll give a shout-out to, to Congressman Loudermilk because we've been working with Barry. He's an Air Force veteran himself, so getting back to your comment about that. His staff, uh, with people like Crystal Gilbert and other ones there, they have 
gone through the pains that we've gone through. So when we find people that you know need help or we need to push things through the VA or the Social Security Administration, we have no hesitation going them. And, and Barry's team has done a great job in getting that done for us. Uh, we have, you know, we've had uh, you know, issues with the VA not paying bills. Here's a, another thing the VA does. If, there's an emergency bill that was passed uh, when Shulkin was there that was uh, that if you have an emergency, you go to the nearest hospital. As long as you identify yourself as a veteran within 72 hours, then the, the VA is supposed to pay. Well, the VA doesn't pay. And so the hospitals have to build Medicare in the case of you're over 65, or, or they ruin the, the veteran's career because they're not paying their bills. But I had a guy here who is one of the medical malpractice suits we're working on is he had $20,000 with the bills the VA was supposed to pay, didn't pay. His credit got ruined. He couldn't even buy get a VA loan because the VA loan people said, well, you owe, the, uh, you owe medication and all the stuff, uh, services that were done at hospitals that you haven't paid. And it wasn't his fault. It was the VA. It took us a year to get that fixed. So <laughs> these are kind of things where, you know, this is what Crystal and her team would do is going out and make sure that these things are getting put through the right priority, they're getting priority. Because any time a congressman, you know, in the military we hated congressionals because that means it stopped your day and you had to do them. But when a congressman get involved, that's what we need. You know, we we tried that with the senator that was here who retired, and we just never saw the results of him getting anything. So that's why we deal with, with local guys. Okay, but we no. can get expedited process through working with congressmen if they want to understand the process and are willing to work. And in the case, Barry, Barry definitely is. Okay, where is Barry? One of the reasons we're we're successful up here is because we <laughs> we figured out how the system works and how to how to go around and how to expedite it if we need to. Okay, is he is he up in your area? Or, uh, yeah, he's, how? he's he's a Georgia Congressional District Eleven. Yeah, Barry Barry uh, Loudermilk. Yeah. Okay. Be sure when when the show is over, whenever you can contact him again, just tell him that. He's got a good friend at America's Web Radio that uh, is more than happy to work with him and uh, do whatever we can on his no, re-election. No, we're happy to, because, again, Barry, you know, in Cherokee County, he covers Cherokee County and, and Cobb County. So we have about, there's about 30,000 veterans in his, in his district. So, uh, you know, we're we're definitely, he's got our ear and he wants to help. And, and uh, but again, he's a junior, junior congressman. There's only so much he can do. Um, but we need this to get up to other, you know, we need to get to, to Kana, who replaced uh, the, uh, the senator down here um, as head of the VA committee. Um, but, you know, those are the kind of people we need to get exposed to and come down and, and just sit down and listen. I mean, we've tried getting the VA up here, and they're afraid to come up. They don't want to come up because they don't want to, they don't want to hear what we've got to say. <laughs> you know, it seems to me today that our Congress people... Um, they want to be reelected, but they forget who hires them. You yep. know, as soon as they're elected. And as far as I'm concerned, it's not a matter of electing somebody; it's hiring them to do a job. And right. they're not doing the job under any circumstance. So, if we got anyone that uh, has the presidency here at all. Well, you've got, uh, I mean, you've got Mark Milley, who I know very well, chief of staff, he'll, he'll voice things up. Uh, Esper should be able to voice things up through the DOD. But right now, looking at the, the VA side, I don't know if there's anyone that wants to go up there and tell the emperor has got no clothes. And mm. I think, you know, you look at, you know, you look at Trump, and people, a lot of people have different views on him. I look at him as a corporate executive, and if he were, if he were to find out what's going on, it'll get addressed. But right now, it's like anything else. 
you pass it up further, somebody shuts it down because they're afraid of the repercussions of it going up further. So a lot of this stuff is not getting up, and that's where we need this transparency and these, you know, these, these reports going out, the dashboards, so we can get the transparency we need at the local level. Because the, you know, as you get into, uh, just say, the VA down here in Atlanta, Visit 7, the guy who reports all the bad issues, or you know, they, you know, they call a patient advocate, he reports to the hospital director. You think that person is going to jeopardize his job, <laughs> telling them there's problems in the departments? He's not going to. So you've got issues where <clears throat> you've got dysfunctional reporting capabilities and no one wants to see things get reported. And you can call it a whistleblower or whatever, but you know, it just doesn't go anywhere. And uh, you know, retaliation happens, and you know, these people are afraid to say anything. <clears throat> so it's got to start from the top down. It has to be, you know, it's got to come from the top down, but they've got to come in at the lower level and say, tell us what's going on. We want to check what's going on because we're hearing, we're not hearing now, not all VAs are, are like Business 7 down here in the southeast. You've got some good ones. Uh, Montana's got good ones, and it, 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 but they're a lot smaller. Uh, but when you're talking about states that have got 800,000 veterans in that area and the, the systems aren't working, you know, someone's got to say, well, you know, what's going on? Let me ask another. Uh, it may sound crazy, but... In your opinion, and with what you do, which, by the way, my hat's off to you, but in your opinion, are veterans forgotten because we're, quote, unquote, not at war right now and we're not getting the daily report on how many we shot and how many shot us, and and, uh, even though we are still at war, but, uh, you know, and I tell you, there's another group that... uh, can't be addressed and the public doesn't know anything about them and I don't know, I doubt that you get involved with them, but you know, you're involved with the U.S. military veteran and yet what the public doesn't understand or doesn't know is most of our fighting over the past few years in one shape, form, or fashion has been by contract labor. And uh, contract labor certainly isn't covered under the Veterans Administration. No, and that's, that's, well, there's a couple things that's happened. If you watch the progression from World War II, that was a a war fought in four four or five years. Now you're 18 years into into the Middle Eastern War, and a territory that's been going on for 3,000, fighting for 3,000 years. And people have got fatigue, so nobody wants to cover the stuff. Uh, People are getting tired of hearing it. And then you had these big send-offs for groups in World War II and Desert Storm because we happened to win that one. People, you know, had parades coming back. But here we've got National Guard units that are filling eight, nine months uh, stints overseas multiple times. Uh, and in my opinion, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not full-time soldiers. You know, I was, you know, I spent 13 years in um, active duty reserve, and you turn around and, and these guys here are expecting someone with, who spent two weeks uh, in the summer and one week in a month to go over and spend nine months active duty. They're not ready for that. I mean, it's it's uh, you know that's that's a different type of environment to do to go full time. And not, they, can, if I can interrupt, people, if I can interrupt, Jim, not yeah. only are they not ready for it, but the lady and the family that they left behind are not ready for it. They're not. They're not. Rear detachments are acute. I mean, if you had, if you were a single parent, you you were non-deployable when I was in, so you didn't go anywhere. And now they're deploying those type of people, and they've got to figure that out. Um, you know, it's. There's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of 
Hoopla to get these people going out in a lot of cases. They come back. No one knows they come back. Um, and it's just an issue where they're just not, you know, it's just not viewed the way it was when you get into, you know, World War II. Um, and also you've got the issues with the, uh, you know, the rules of engagement that are different. Oh. You can't go over here. You can't do that. Um, you know, biggest thing you do in the Middle East, if you wanted to, to stop IEDs, you'd shut down all the communications, sell your communications. But nobody wants to do that because we get more information off those contacts than we do for losing, a, you know, a couple of guys. So, you know, some of the decisions could have been easily done, but, but they're not. What uh, about, uh, back to my question on contract labor. They're just sort of left out in the cold, right? Well, but they know the risk, and it gets into, when I was in, in, in the early 80s, you had Angola going on. So we had guys that were going down for, for $3,000 a week down to Angola as mercenaries. So are the contractors they got any more than mercenaries they've got now? They're ex-former guys, and that doesn't be curtailed because, you know, we can take a black eye for something that happens to those guys that they do, you know, they do wrong. Um, I don't contract, you know, contract... Um, soldiers is very tough. I mean, the difference between a mercenary and a real-time soldier is, you know, who's controlling them, what are they doing, uh, what rules are they following. They don't follow on the standard of forces agreement that the rest of us follow under, but we can certainly get, you know, we can pay the price for when they mess up. Yeah, but on the other hand, they do a lot of the dirty work that... Uh... Yeah, well, it's, yeah, exactly. You know, out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. I, you know, well, again... Personally, I think it would be all different if we had a Congress that had served and uh, knew what was like uh, in the field. And, uh, you know, you can't, no matter how many textbook textbooks are written, you can't write a textbook about a war that you haven't fought yet. And, no. uh, well, and that's the problem VA's having right now with some of the doctors leaving is the, the veterans that they're, you know, especially in... Some of the ones in mental health, they're leaving the VA because they can't relate to the combat that the soldier is seeing. And the soldier doesn't feel there's a bond there because I'm talking to somebody who never served, doesn't know what I go through. And uh, we've had a number of cases where the doctors are just up and quit the VA because they're, they realize that they can't, they can't do what they're supposed to do because they, they can't relate. So what, what can I do and what can the public do to keep attention, keep a spotlight on this, and uh, get something done? Well, I think there's a couple things. One is the, one is the you know, the, the VA, hold them accountable. You've got, we've got to somehow, you can start looking at things like fraud, waste, and abuse, and start looking at saying, how many of these things, features these guys are doing that are better off done in the private sector? Because there, you know, there's a lot of talk about privatization. You know, do we need to have the VA have the whole thing around creating your own eyeglasses when you've got 60,000 you know, eyeglass places around the county or state that could do the work a lot better and a lot cheaper. So let's look at down, you know, and you look at corporate world right now, you find a guy called a chief efficiency officer. How can we do things better that are not in our core core scheme? So maybe some of the stuff the VA needs to be pulled away so that their, their, their focus is narrowed on things they can do better where they need to go. Um, I think someone's got to look into, you know, what's going on, the transparency and the issues with the VA. I mean, you try calling Atlanta right now, and the phone system is, doesn't work. And if and, I, and if I was in a corporate world, I'd be paying penalties as a you know a company against my client for not performing my work uh, correctly. So, where are the penalties for that? Who's managing that stuff? Uh, it's just you know. And I think they've got to bring bring in some outside consultants to look and say, here, here's what's wrong. Here's what's not getting done. 
Um, and you're going to have to expose some of these <clears throat> people in areas that are failing and say, we're going to clean it up. That's what people are looking for is accountability. And unfortunately, it, things are swept under the rug. So holding Congress, you know, telling congressmen to get this complaint uh, about the way things are done, that we need to get our guys in the local areas taken care of, we need to fight the Social Security disability issue, of reducing time and streamlining guys through, that's what our veterans are needing because it takes up to eight years to get a claim to the VA, two years uh, to get your Social Security disability. You know, how do you survive for 10 years when you have no money? Hmm. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I know that uh, the young lady that handles our social media is going to be typing her little hands off, uh, fingers <laughs> off, uh, going after the VA and Social Security and letting people know that it's broken and they have they have to contact their congressman. And this is a good year to be doing it and ask exactly. the person it's, that's it's running. It's a good job for the congressman to be involved because now he's starting to hear what's going on out there. Now people yeah. call, they'll start taking action. And what, or what will you do about it if you're elected? And get one more lie, I guess. But hopefully hold them accountable as well. Uh, it's just, this is just, uh, you know, this is a real black mark on our country because I can't, com- I have no idea what Russia does or any other country does with their veterans. Maybe they do less. I don't know. But uh, our country has been always held up as uh, an example of purity and fairness and yada da 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 and as I see it they just lied to us and uh, they continue to lie and is and not that all of the other agencies are perfect by any stretch of the imagination but you hit it on the head there is no transparency and no one not my job you know and yeah uh, I'm sick of it, and the the cover-up, particularly when we started exposing some of the the VA hospitals, uh, the managers and whoever, whatever they're called, that all they cared about was CYA, and uh, they... You know, obviously, could have cared less about their patient, the patients, and most of those folks weren't doctors anyway. But all they cared about was getting their their monthly checks, and uh, didn't care about you know. And and that same person should have walked in the veterans' boots as well, and known and know what they went through, and. Um, you know the lost limbs, the, the like you said, the PTSD and everything else that a vet suffers, and uh, and their families. Let me ask: uh, with with the VA, aren't their family members supposed to be covered as well? It uh, it depends on your level of disability as to what what benefits you get. If you're 10%, you can get free sun, you know, free glasses. 50%, um, you know, you're kind of threshold where you're not getting hit with Social Security, taking money out of your VA pay because it's, it's an issue there. 70%, you can file for individual unemployability. It isn't until you get to 100% that you start getting benefits for the family. 
So it is a, an issue where, unless you're, you know, this is not TRICARE, which is the military side, we retire. Um, you have certain levels that uh, you have to go through with the VA to get uh, benefits for your, your spouse. So a lot of it, uh, you know, they could be on Medicaid in some states. Uh, they could be on SNAP program uh, for others here for the spouses. And, uh, you know, they don't, they don't, they're not guaranteed um, that the, spouse, the family's taken care of. Have uh, have you ever noticed, and, and maybe it's just because I'm really not the brightest bulb in the box, but have you ever noticed the double talk and the uh, the information that's provided, uh, how, how uh, hard it is to understand what they're saying in print? Oh, it's, it's, it's the government doublespeak. I mean, that's... The, uh, a good example of that right now is the VA is trying to push everybody to use e-benefits online. As a service officer for the American Legion, we, we find that that doesn't work because there's a lot of, you know, the, the government's a process-driven organization. They're driven by paperwork, to, you know, and again, <clears throat> it's like the old days when, you know, re- replying to something for a grant, they kind of hold it in their hand and figure out if it weighs enough, it feels like it's good enough to get an A or a B. Same thing here. These guys don't know what they need to put in there. They get denied excessively by the, by the VA. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if they don't understand the process, they're never going to survive through the system, and it's not easy for them to navigate. It's intentionally hard for them to navigate. Mm. One last, uh, is, do, you, do you literally go out on the street yourself? Everything we do, 100% of what we do is street outreach because, we, you know, we don't have a, <clears throat> there's really no shelters or anything from up north of, Georgia, of Atlanta to the north side. So everything we do with our program is all street outreach. We don't know what we do until we get a call. I've, right now I've got three calls in the last two days where we've got three veterans, two of them with families, in hotels off the street where we're trying to figure out, you know, what we can get for them. we got to verify their DD-214, which could take anywhere from two days to, to 90 days to get a copy of um, because, we, you know, part of the program is to make sure we vet them properly. Um, and then, then it takes, you know, weeks and months for them to go into the, the VA system to get the medical or claim system. Uh, we've had people in the system. I've got a, a Korean War veteran in, in our county that still, he's got a file in for uh, Frostbite from Chosen River. He's a Marine. He still hasn't been paid by the VA 50-some years later. Oh, my. You know, our uh, the church that I go to has a... Has a uh, Program. It's a rotating program uh, with a number of of uh, other churches where they'll shelter them for a night or two nights or something like that. Uh, at least get them off the street. Uh, and I was asking uh, the person there that uh, how many of these are vets, and uh, you know, a vet, homeless or not homeless doesn't like to talk about it and they and a lot of the pride has been taken away and they won't admit to being vets that's right that's right i mean veterans and marines are the worst Uh, no one (laughs) wants i mean no one joined the service to find themselves homeless years later and veterans are proud they don't want to tell somebody that they need help because they were you know when they were in the service they were they were young strong doing all sorts of things they were heroic and and now they find themselves due to you know a medical issue or you know, it just could happen, divorce or something else. Um, it's just depression. Uh, these guys go down and they, they, they don't like telling people, you know, that they need help. It's, they, they think it's a, you know, 
I won't say it's a sin, but they you know, they think for them it's a you know it's an issue of weakness to say I, yeah. I need help when when we can get these guys off the street and back into jobs and back into housing. Um, just and we don't do charity. That's the thing is we always express to our guys is we don't do charity. We we uh, give you a hand up and we're there to you know you supported our cause whether it's two years or twenty years. And we've had people in our program everywhere from a, from e, an E zero to a lieutenant colonel. So it's not. And just about every branch, we haven't. The only one we haven't seen is Coast Guard, but you know, <laughs> it's not germane to any rank. It's not germane to any, you know, any type of uh, service branch or or any type of ethnicity. We see them all, and we're and what, what's surprising now is we're seeing more and more females uh, homeless coming out out in the open. Mm-hmm. Let me. Uh, I want to throw out single parents, or they've been, you know, they've gone through MST. Um, it's it's you know there there's more women into the into the military now. Than there ever were, and so we're starting to see those. That makes up about nine percent of the, the homeless veteran population is females. You know, um, I asked you yesterday, I believe, if you knew uh, General Dix. No, yeah, you... and, and I do not know him. Okay, yeah. well, we're we're gonna we're gonna get you two guys together, in that uh, General Dix is working on a program of using containers for homes and. Uh, um, and doing and and for the homeless, and, right? Uh, it's uh, it's quite a program and quite an undertaking. And and uh, if anybody else, anybody out there that's listening, has land available, please give us a call so we can get you in touch with General Dix. Along with one other thing that that this may sound like a crazy thing to uh, talk about at this point, but. I've never been known for being too bright, but n- not that many years ago, I was in um, down in the uh, Fulton Industrial Area, and just warehouse after warehouse after warehouse, vacant, doing nothing but sitting there and rotting. And I learned when I had a, a second home up in uh, Blue Ridge that if you didn't at least go up there, clean it up, or do this or do that. It'll go to pot faster being vacant or not being attended to than with somebody in there, you know. And um, I I'd wondered back then why we weren't taking the homeless and putting them into turning those empty warehouses into productive-looking apartment-type situations where we could house homeless where we could cook for homeless, where we could do a lot of things for the homeless. Yeah, well, housing is one thing. You've got to have the wraparound services nearby. You've got to have the job job environment. You've got to have transportation. And, again, you know, thank God we've got places like Uber and Lyft now that we can we can get people back and forth through ride services. Um, but with, you know, medical care and all this stuff, uh, education for the, the kids of the, of the, the uh, veterans that are out there who've got families, Wraparound services are key. It's just having them housed without the ability for them to, to, to eventually get out and back on their own. That's a problem. A lot of programs, you know, that's housing is not not just the one issue. You got to have the wraparound services that go with it, and that's you know I think you know what what a lot of these veterans need, and that's how we go through. We run them through a 96-hour intake process, get them a job. We got them in a hotel while we're you know, right now until we get a, a shelter uh, that we're looking at trying to put in, or we're going to call it a campus environment. There's nobody likes shelters, but these guys got to have some way of looking forward and saying, "I can get out." And we've had great success getting 
females out of the, out of the program, through our program. We've had uh, other veterans get through the program. But they've got to look at something where they can they can improve their social life and their self-worth um, and not just saying, here's a place for you to go ahead and you know, hang your hat for the night. You they, know, they want to work. These guys want, don't want to be with you. Know, veterans do not want to be homeless. That is the one thing you will find. You know, I, uh, um, right now you've got two distinct groups. You've got the Vietnam era that are elderly homeless, and mm-hmm. then you've got the 9-11. Um, that's a whole different breed. A lot of the symptoms are the same. You know, and Congress won't listen, but there's not a doctor that comes in and does a show that wouldn't give up one or even some two days a week to the needy and at no charge but they have to somebody if if the government would take and listen give them give them an out on the malpractice and give them a tax break and they'll right. you'll have more people lined up doctors lined up to help the homeless or help those you know street people whatever and but the government won't take you know they won't listen they they want they want to do it their way and not the way that'll work right but there are free clinics out there we we're lucky here up here we have a Bethesda clinic which is one that there are doctors that will locate their time and it's, it is a free clinic so one of the things we do with the homeless veterans especially females a lot of the females that are homeless haven't seen a doctor in 6 7 years wow. and so you think of all the things they need to do with uh, because of their their physical makeup. Uh, one of the biggest things we do, and, and we don't get charged at all for that. So for the for these people, we we Uber them over or lift them over to the location, and they get they get uh, free service. And for us, that's great because these you know these we know that these guys have got medical issues. Sure. Um, and it's just you know they're not going to get into a hospital and be seen. So free clinics that you know if they're out there that you can partner with, that would be an opportunity to do it. And uh, you know we get one day a week that we can get these people in there, and we're. You know, we, we do not hesitate to take advantage of that. Uh, that's fantastic. I want to mention, too, that um, we work closely with Rick White and uh, the Georgia Veteran Military Veterans Hall of Fame and also with uh, Mike Mazell and the uh, Healing Wall, which is coming to Johns Creek on March the 28th, will be the uh, ribbon-cutting ceremony. And... The healing wall has meant a lot to a lot of Vietnam veterans over the years, and the healing wall was the uh, the fifty percent size of the uh, Vietnam veterans wall in Washington D.C. that traveled all over the country, and uh, Johns Creek, Georgia, bought it, and now it's uh, set up, and they're going to have the like I said, March the twenty eighth, and invite veterans and everybody to come out to the ribbon cutting ceremony and. It's uh, it's it. It's called a healing wall for a reason because uh, it can, in many cases, it's put closure to a lot of different situations. And yeah. uh, yep. we invite everybody to come out. Mike Mazel has done a wonderful job in uh, Johns Creek, and we salute him. And you know, and Jim, I, I salute you. Anybody that's working and giving their time and their love and compassion to veterans deserves more than a salute. Uh, you know, we it's just a, a shame that uh, we have uh, 1% of the population that ever served. It's, it's a crime. And, uh, and in that form, they don't know what the veteran is going through. And 
uh, and PTSD, they call it um, being in the dark and uh, bringing them out of the dark. And, you know, it's just uh, actually what it is is one brother helping another brother. Exactly. That's what it is. And especially getting back to the healing wall, the best thing you can say to a Vietnam era vet who will be at that wall is welcome home. Yeah. Remember what went on in the seventies? These people would go into, they would come back in uniform, hit the, the airport, change your clothes in the civilian because it was a very unpopular wall, and no one welcomed these guys home. And that is all they wanted to hear when they got back. Welcome home. And uh, you know, as we uh, we say frequently, if you see a vet or you see somebody wearing a cap, I served on the USS or whatever, whatever the situation is, or you see a first responder or military personnel in uniform and they're in the airport or no matter where they are buy them a drink buy them a lunch buy them a dinner and it'll make you feel better than it does the the service person and uh and yet it goes a long ways that can be a you know a a long handshake from a distance and uh, if they got a wife with them or a wife and kids with them, you know, dig a little deeper and take care of all of them. It ain't going to hurt you. I, uh, I make a point to do it, and, and uh, I, like, uh, I like it when my son uh, is flying. And like I said, he's stationed in Europe. But when he flies in, he's told me about it a, a few times. Now, in general... They don't wear the, nobody wears uniforms anymore. Um, I guess it's become a practice uh, after Vietnam, but uh, once in a while he'll wear his, uh, what we used to call fatigues. Yeah. But not often. But it's a changing world. I just, uh, like I said, I wish everybody had to serve and could understand what the families and what the, uh, deployed go through it's uh, quite a shock to get your uh, papers that you're going to be going to wherever it happens to be and yet I don't know of very many if any stories of anybody that's thrown up their hands and said I ain't going because they do go and they do uh, I I would imagine uh, when you were sworn in you remember the date and time and everything else about it as we all do and what we said in the back of our minds is you know I just signed up to put my life on the line no that's true I remember when I checked in my first unit the uh, newly newly married and the colonel took uh, my wife into one room and I went the other and the major said you're going downrange tomorrow morning you got you got three hours to find a place to live and I didn't come back for, for eight weeks <laughs> <laughs> So again, it's you know again in the military, it's you know if they wanted the old saying is they wanted to have a wife and family that are issued to one. Uh, but now <laughs> yeah, you know, families are, are key to what these guys do. Sure, and uh, there's nothing like the support of your family. So, with that being said, we're going to uh, ask that uh, is yours a uh, can people donate to what you're doing or yeah, how, yeah. how are you we're, funded? We're 501C19 through the American Legion, the way our program is set up right now. We're moving to 501C3 uh, this year because we're looking at the property we're going to get into. But it is a 
it's a, it's a, it's a registered nonprofit with the, the state and with the nation. So it's a, the difference between a 501c3 and a 19 is a 19 is a veteran nonprofit. So all of our all of our materials go. Uh, my staff is and myself we're 100 percent volunteer. Not a single one of us draw any type of income. So that way we can make sure all the, the programs, all the all the dollars go to the programs that we need. And uh, you know we do a lot of different things. We have a car donation program that people donate cars to us that we give to disabled or homeless former homeless vets who are back in their feet because we don't have mass transit up here. Uh, we've got today we're doing a fly fishing program with Trout Unlimited for disabled uh, and elderly vets to get them out of the house, kind of a you know a chance to improve their mental health and and prevent you know we're at the suicide prevention type program that uh, we get these guys out of the house that. Uh, would normally wouldn't do so we do a lot of things up here and, and a lot of it we it's to no cost to the veterans we, we so we this is the best job i've ever loved for no pay so uh, <laughs> i really enjoy it i've been doing it for six years jim how do they get a hold of you and how do how do they donate you can uh what you can do is contact uh the cherokee county homeless veteran program and uh my phone number is 678-983-7590 uh we'll give you a receipt for anything you, you donate if you got clothes things like that uh, you can reach us at, uh, at 160 McClure, it's M-C-C-L-U-R-E Street, Canton, 30114. And uh, we're, you know, we are not a 24-hour day operation. Our guy, we don't know what we're doing until the next morning. We wake up and check our emails and answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> we're, but everything we do is street outreach. And uh, I'm also the, uh, the, the Vetlanta uh, pillar lead for the housing for the, uh, the area inside 285 uh, on the corporate side. So... Um, I, you know, this is what we promised to do when we became officers to take care of, you know, besides taking an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States, it's also make sure we take care of the guys that served under us. And that's what we do. That's, that's beautiful. What, is there anything particular, particularly right now that you all are in need of or? Well, we, we just finished doing our, our, the holiday, uh, adopt a veteran program. So we take care of the families. We're feeding about 25 families a month here out of our program, the low income veterans. Um, canned goods, non perishable canned goods, uh, with the pop tops are great to have. Um, we build, we, we get all sorts of toiletries to us. Uh, and right now, like anything else, programs tend to run on money. So, you know, financial donations or gift cards are always well accepted. And, your hours are? Um, you give us a call. If you just leave a message, we'll get back to you. So we're, we're pretty much, uh, we start in the morning. I'm up at 6 in the morning, and and uh, we go to 5 o'clock at night, uh, five days a week. And then if we have something that breaks over the weekend, we'll step out and take care of it. So we're we're there when the guys need them, but we're not going to, we just can't do it uh, 24 hours a day. And let me ask one other question. Um, Will you come back and uh, give us a report on how things are going, and uh, definitely, definitely. also keep definitely talking will. about the veterans? Yep, uh, that's that's what we do. We live with them. You know, this this is what I do. So I'll be more than happy to come back and talk again. Fantastic, uh, Jim. I want to thank you for giving up an hour away from the vets this morning and uh, being with us. And uh, we'll definitely be calling you. And uh, if you come across something that is particularly striking that is needed give us a call and uh, we'll get it on the air for you definitely definitely appreciate you're listening to america's web radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening